The year is 1995. I'm Dave Apocalypse. I'm Zach Apocalypse. I'm Charlotte Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my marvelous Age of Apocalypse. My Marpocalypse here. It doesn't hey. quite work. It doesn't it works. totally work. I love it. It's good. Hey, it's 1995 <laughs> Part 6. We're here to talk Age of Apocalypse, one of my favorite comic book stories of all time. Forget event. Forget uh, you know Marvel. Forget X-Men. It's just straight up one of my favorite comic book stories of all time. This is inside the top three reasons I love comics. Like, it is one... Ooh. Of the top three reasons I read comics still, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and to be like totally clear, this is not because I read it in 1995 as a lad and uh, and fell in love as a boy. This is because I read it in college. <laughs> okay, so clearly, if an intellectual college student fell in love with these, they must be great things. This is my marvelous year, the podcast where we read Marvel comics from its origins to today. We've covered from 1961 to now. We made it until 1995 without the entire Marvel universe collapsing into a dystopia, where America had been conquered by apocalypse. It was a good run. It was a good run. I'm Debusing, founder of Comic Book Herald, here today to walk us through and talk about the Age of Apocalypse. I am joined today. If she was killed, the world would devolve into dystopia. It's Charlotte Fierro. How's it going, Charlotte? Hi, very glad to, to be joining the My Majorless Apocalypse here. Um, <laughs> super we're glad to be we're here. We're still working on the plot. Yeah, it's, still working it's on It's not it. getting better, <laughs> per se. We're also joined today. Uh, if an assassination attempt was attempted on Charlotte, they would have been the intended recipient, but would have lucked out when Charlotte dove in to save their life. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? Thanks. And I also would have then gone on to become the savior of the new world. That's the, uh, just like Apocalypse in that? Am I, am I reading this correctly? I'm pretty sure this is Apocalypse. No, yeah, so you, read, hero, right? you read Age yeah. of Apocalypse, Apocalypse was the protagonist? Is that, yeah, yeah. Is that like, what I'm hearing? Well, yeah, because like the mutants, the mutants are good and he makes them better. You um, know what? Yeah. You know it's what? Not, it's not what's intended, but it's not the craziest <laughs> take. And I actually maybe want to talk about that. At the end of things, but that's right. We got we got the gang here. We got Charlotte, Zach, and myself here to talk Age of Apocalypse. Uh, I'm excited about it. This is the end of our 1995 coverage. So if you made it to this point, this is going to be the final episode we do for 1995, and then our next step we're going to kick off 1996. Um, but of course, we've been hyping up Age of Apocalypse. I think you know probably in terms of like the memorable this year things that we've been hyping up. It's probably like Starling Cosmic, all the Thanos stuff, Infinity Gauntlet. Um, it's like Secret, Secret Wars, Wars, Secret Wars, for and you. Yeah. and definitely Age of Apocalypse. I think are probably the ones that have come up the most frequently. And then obviously yeah. stuff in the two thousands, like Morrison's New X Men, all the Hickmanverse stuff, right? Like those are probably the things I talk about the most. You know, just in my day to day, <laughs> like and in all of our recordings to this point. And okay, let me let me just start here. 
Zach, you hadn't read this before. Charlotte, had you read Mm-mm. The Age of Apocalypse nope. before? No, I hadn't. No, so neither of you had read this. I had, obviously. I have it ranked right now. Uh, it's 89th on the best comics of all time list. The yeah, I was surprised, only. actually. Uh, I was going to ask you if you were going to reappraise after this. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. So I started rereading this with some trepidation. I was like, all right, there's no way I like it as much as I did the first time. Like, there's just no way to recreate that experience. And while that's true... It, I was so delightfully surprised how well this holds up for me. Like, it holds up fantastically. I'm talking specifically now, too, about the Age of Apocalypse. So, like, you can find all the comics that we read in the show notes, okay? We do this for every episode. All the comics that we read as part of the club, they're in the show notes. Um, you can find them listed out. You can also find the whole list if you uh, uh, back us for as little as $1 a month over on patreon.com slash You can get the whole list from 1961 through to 2010 in one master spreadsheet. Uh, If you don't want to do that, hey, that's totally fine. Obviously, all the episodes or all the issues we read are always listed for free here and and a number of other places, okay? Um, But yeah, so we read read the Legion Quest first, which which we have to talk about first, uh, but then into Age of Apocalypse. And once you get to Age of Apocalypse, it's so good. I love it. It holds (laughs) up so well. Like, I had no nostalgic remorse for revisiting it, you know, the way that I do sometimes. if anything, I'm going to increase it in my best comics of all time rankings because for me, it just like it just really flipping works. And I have so much fun in this world and with this this comic. So that's that's my sort of approach to this. Uh, Charlotte, let's go to you first. General broad Age of Apocalypse experience. Just really, really trying to put off the uh, the inevitable. <laughs> really delaying the inevitable <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah. We're, right, we're avoiding on. the Zach Apocalypse for now. Um, I really, really, really liked it. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite stories we've read so far with the uh, with the podcast, and maybe my favorite event, f- f- like as of the nineties. Yeah, probably. Uh, I really, really liked it. And to, to be clear, we at least I only read the first and last issue of the event. And then, like, the event is composed of a handful of different miniseries. And we only read, or at least I only read, uh, the first issue of each. And that is Just all to, that's required in the yeah. show notes. That is, like, the fast track option that I give to people. Again, I fully encourage it, it, if you're that, enjoying it. That works, it, to be clear. Yeah. It does work. It, it, and it's, it it's actually kind of satisfying. Sense. Like, there's more yeah, y- there. You don't get but, the whole story, but you get enough to get what's going on and have a have a clear idea of what, uh, well, it's, what it's, the event is. It's a little like Inferno in that, like, it's a little yeah, bit kinda. less an exact story. I mean, there is a core story to it, but it is also just kind of like, here's a status quo shift to play yeah. around in. So, like, there's lots of small arcs that happen within it. But, like... Well, yeah, which made me realize, like, that's... Story. To me, that's the perfect thing an event a crossover event can be and like my favorite ones so far have all been that which Mm -hmm. which is either an alternate universe where you get to play in that sandbox for a few for a few months or like for a few issues and different creators can get different ideas from that sandbox so stuff like this inferno stuff like that or all the characters are put somehow in a different place like secret wars like something that makes it so it's it's not the same rules as regular months per month uh, comics mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. very very fun and then you have a core I- idea to to link all these uh, these comics and yeah i think it's very very fun i wished more events uh, worked like this uh which will i probably wish that uh, ev- even more in the as we get to late 90s maybe even uh, early 2000 comics uh events sorry 
um, yeah, I, I overall really, really, really enjoyed this. Cool, cool. Glad to hear. Feeling good and feeling positive. Zach, <laughs> Zach, what did you think? All right, Dave. The Age of Apocalypse. I can I can sum it up in a few words. Apocalypse. Can't even count, <laughs> can't even count how many words. <laughs> Age of an Apocalypse. <laughs> apocalypse. More like across my lips. No bad <laughs> words shall pass. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty it. good. I yeah, it. I I had fun with it. I mean, I I don't think so. Charlotte's like, it's close to Inferno, um, for me. Yeah. It's you know, it like it's pretty neck and neck with Inferno for me. You like it's in, not the you best like Inferno event. more. Hmm. What you like Inferno more? I don't know. They're 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 pretty similar. They're like pretty okay. up there. I think, I think Inferno maybe really well. has the 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 up upper hand just from being the culmination of Clement's huge run. So you get the combination of a lot of storylines from that, so it's it still works differently or has a different role. Because I don't think this uh, works as much as a combination of Scott Lobdell and Fabian Cesar's runs, I guess. No, it kind of feels like its own little yeah like, pocket universe, like, which honestly is literally great. Is. Like it works for, it yeah, works for yeah, what yeah, it is. That works fine. I, if it wasn't for uh, Infinity Gauntlet, I might say it's like. Ooh, in the, yeah, that's the, the run. That's Infinity fair. Gauntlet is definitely my favorite event that we've read mm-hmm. so far. But um, no, it's pretty close behind. And, uh, it's it's very good. I didn't read. Uh, I mean, just I just read stuck to the club reading list. I didn't read more, but like, like I could coward. definitely see going back and trying to do like the full reading and taking my time doing it because oh, yeah. it is I'm quite, definitely gonna gonna do it. it. It's quite dense, you know. Even in the same well, the same way X Men always is. So like, I, I I almost considered reading more and trying to like squeeze more in in the time we had. But uh, it's so dense that I think that would have actually like detracted from the experience. But I really appreciated the way that you had it set up because it really is like Legion Quest is really integral to it. And then it moves into X-Men Alpha, which is a double-sized issue that really sets up the world so well, I think. That, the Alpha and Omega issues are so yeah. freaking good. The, like, those so are the highlights. Freaking good. Like, the, the rest of it varies in quality, and like none, none of it, I would say, is a slog, but some of it is like, some of it's like, okay, that's a pretty average X-Men issue, but it's kind of interesting because it's in this new world. But like, the Alpha and the Omega ones, which is um, Lobdell, Wade, and... Uh, oh, who's doing the art? Um, yeah, Roger Cruz, actually, yeah. which is interesting because there's some really big names artistically. We're going to have to talk about the creators because I think it's an essential part of what mm-hmm. makes this work. Um, but Roger Cruz is actually probably the artist in the bunch that I know the least of, uh, but does the most important work in building this world and selling the vision through the Alpha and Omega um, issues. It's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and kind of don't i mean not that like you should skip the rest of this and not be interested in it you kind of don't need the rest of it i think if you read legion quest and then alpha and then omega you'd be like yeah i got a good like flavor of everything and i knew generally what was going on right like um, yeah i mean that's heresy and you shall be condemned (laughs) for that but you're not wrong like if you if you really were just like i just i just want to super fast track my way through i mean if you want to super fast track your way through this you also don't need Legion Quest. Like, I'm glad we included it in the club. Oh, I, I really and like Legion I, Quest. I think it... it yeah. you, so you I like Legion Quest a lot. That's interesting. Let, let me say first. So, like, Legion Quest is a five-parter. Te- technically four, but then they throw in this cable number 20 tie-in, which is super superfluous. Um, I mean, the thing about Legion Quest is it can be summarized tremendously quickly, right? Like, Legion, 
David Haller, son of Professor X and Gabriel Haller, tremendously powerful Omega-level mutant. Uh, his powers are ascending to a degree they never have before. He has a degree of control we really haven't seen from Legion to this point, right? The Legion that we've seen from the Claremont and Sienkiewicz and New Mutants through to the mid-90s is almost out, always out of control, um, needs to be cared for by others, or is literally like possessed by the Shadow King, right? Um, is rarely yeah. in control of his own actions. Here he actually is, and he takes on, and I'm, I'm not doing the quick summary, clearly, but um, <laughs> he, he takes on, you know, he sees what happened with, with his dad, Professor X, and his dream, and Magneto, and Fatal Attractions, and he comes to the conclusion, essentially, that he's like, you know, if Magneto hadn't just been around being such a jerk to my dad all the time, then uh, the world would be so much better. So he goes back in time, because you can do that when you're very vaguely defined <laughs> powers, and uh, and he tries to assassinate Magneto back when Magneto and Professor Charlie are really good pals, which is actually very fun to revisit um, in the time travel components. You get to get a better sense of their friendship and all that. And then, of course, the assassination goes awry. Charles jumps in front of Legion when he tries to kill Magneto. He kills Professor X instead, and Wait, there, no, thereby does he reality do that? breaks. Is that... I'm sorry. I, I what? thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I, I that's thought, the whole point. Well, I, okay, no, I, I'm I, confident. But I, I mean, got it's that not. Right. It's not a. Uh, I, one of the things I liked about it is it's not Professor X leaping in front of, uh, you know, the bullet to be like, no, Magneto, I'm going to save my friend. He puts together that David is his son, and that he's here from the future, right? So he realizes that if he dies, then Legion will have never showed up. So he like sacrifices himself to stop Legion from like existing in this time right i think that's like that's very fun it's more fun so than he can't kill his friend in front of the bullet six, six of one <laughs> no no it's way better it's way more charlotte charlotte give me a verdict uh honestly i just read it as him jumping in front of the bullet so i can't have that all right we got, I, our, I think we got our first uh semantics debate that i was not anticipating <laughs> in any measure does well, professor x sacrifice himself be the biggest X-Men because fan on the podcast. he's trying to yeah. uh prevent legion from ever going back in time even though he knows it will break reality or does he do it to save his pal magneto or is it both it can always be both um regardless regardless the effect is you know now professor x has never lived he never put together the x-men his dream of peaceful integration between mutants and humans uh does not come to fruition and the age of apocalypse becomes a reality now i so anyway the long and short of that was i think legion quest is for me it is useful. I think there are nice moments. Um, like all, I actually really like revisiting Professor X and Magneto's time. You know, as friends, I think that stuff's pretty good. Uh, it's it it's a nice reminder, I think, of kind of like, oh yeah, like this is what X Men comics are. And there's a lot of dizzying sort of over the top '90s battle stuff and too ham fisted and heavy dialogue. And for me, it's really nice to break that up and get out of that. And do something different and and semi fresh with the Age of Apocalypse. Like Legion Quest for me is like, okay, it's it's both narratively the prologue to the story, but it's also like, here's why Age of Apocalypse is so fun in the context of reading mm. X Men comics because of what it's stacked against, right? Because of what because of what you're not getting instead. Um, but Zach, it sounds like you really dug Legion Quest. Let's let's hear about that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think they're just like, a, it's a compelling, small little arc here. And I, I think the end really sells it for me. And, you know, I'm pulling it up right now. You're you're right. He didn't he didn't do that intentionally. 
It's that when he jumps in front, it's that like David has that realization. So I don't wow. I don't think that was actually on Charles' mind. It's just like you know, he's like, It's impossible, you can't be dead, because that means that David Holler was never born, which also means the X Men would not come back in time to stop him, because there were no X Men, because Xavier didn't live to create them, blah blah and that's what like breaks time. Um which is fun. So all, all that all that really worked for me and I think like Lobdell's becoming uh like a really strong voice and, and this is Nissieza doing um X Men here, I guess. Uh Lobdell especially stands out to me, but the two of them, like, in general, X-Men is becoming, I, I think, like, they're getting a really good grasp on it lately. And this this era of X-Men, like, this year, the last two years of X-Men, I think is, like, really starting to work uh, in a way that the early 90s did not for me. So I, I think their, their storytelling is just getting, like, tight. It's not necessarily that they're doing different types of stories. They're still doing big, bombastic 90s, you know, like, maximalist X-Men stuff. Um but I, I think just their overall like competency of storytelling is getting better. So yeah, I, I just uh, I dug this as a little story, and then the the end of it I think is a very cool resonant setup of like time breaking because of this, and uh, and leaving the cliffhanger that opens in somewhere that you would never see. C- can you talk like editorially <laughs> about what this was like like in the comic shop? Because I've seen you've been like talking about that on Twitter a little bit. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely an interesting history. Um, I think just kind of where this fits in the grand scheme of where Marvel's at. Like, obviously, we've been talking about, okay, like, mid-90s is a real breaking point for Marvel in a lot of ways with a lot of things going wrong, you know? Um, And it's many things that are going wrong. Like, it's honestly astonishing that Age of Apocalypse hits with the level of quality that it does. You know, it's kind of this thing where, like, okay, the wheels are falling off, (laughs) and we're pretty desperate here for some sort of salvation for the X-Line. And the crazy idea they come up with... And the people who take and seemingly deserve the most credit for this are the editor at the time, Bob Harris, and Scott Lobdell. Uh, if you if you read the oral history of it that Sci-Fi published, Scott Lobdell basically says he did everything. Like like he doesn't say it that way, but it's like <laughs> if you read it according to his quotes, like he is a tr- like almost all of this can be attributed him. And uh, and clearly he's like a major player, right? Like a lot of the story yeah, ideas it, it, it does are from feel him. a little you know, bit you like his, his story, Mark yeah. Wade dialogue on the Alpha and Omega, which works really yeah. well. Um, he's a he's a major contributor, but then you got all these other. It, it, what's really interesting about the create, creative rosters of this, I just want to touch on real quickly. So you got like, like you said, Zach, kind of these people who'd been there driving the X line. You got Lobdell, you got Joe Matarera, you got Chris Pacello, Larry Hama, Fabian Licieza, right? They've been doing it for the X mine now for a few years. But then you have this snapshot of these really interesting up and coming future stars, you know, like Mark Wade, Warren Ellis, noted sex pest. Jeff Loeb, Steve Epting, Steve Scroach, Tony Daniel, Ken Lashley, like you, a lot of names where I see them on this now. And when I read it the first time, I had no idea who they were, but I see it now and I'm like, oh, wow, like a lot of people here who went on to do big, big stuff, you know, um, in Marvel. And they're not at the peak of their powers. Like, it's not like they totally know what they're doing yet, but obviously there's talented individuals who would make really good comics. Um, And here there's just sort of a freedom to figure it out. Uh, that kind of works, frankly, with the tone and the vibe of this world. But anyway, backing it up. Um, so Age of Apocalypse is a response to a few things. One, it's it's obviously trying to increase sales, right? Um, it's partially a response to Death Superman, which I did not connect in my head until I started reading. And they have the, I have the big omnibus editions, and they have all these mm-hmm. ads they ran and the, the pre-release hype and stuff. You realize in the fun. pre-release yeah. hype that it's like, oh, they're pitching the death of Charles Xavier. Like that's the story, and I just never think about Age of Apocalypse that way. No, you know? it doesn't. Yeah. It, it doesn't read like that. I mean, it it is well, kind of, but like there's so much else going on, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it is 
Yeah, everyone is always talking about Charles, especially Magneto. Like half of what Magneto is talking about is about Charles, about uh, how the world would be different if Charles was was there. So it is like a very the legacy of Xavier and um, like yeah, what would have happened if Xavier hadn't been there. Yeah, but yeah, it's also just a pretext to have well, Apocalypse would have taken over, which doesn't necessarily add up, but it's just an excuse to have a fun uh, a fun Alchemiverse event. Yeah, for sure. And I think because it's four months long and and we know that now and like as potentially sp- like a, an event with eight titles sprawling across an alternate reality, this thing could run off the rails and just be crazy long, you know, yeah. and have that sort of Secret Wars 2 endurance factor required. Clone saga. But it's actually right. yeah. and like there's a little bit of that. You know, you mentioned the maximalism of the 90s. Like it's not like it's you're going to read this in a night, um, but it is. It is navigable, <laughs> right? Like it, we're talking like thirty some issues. Uh, it's not yeah. nearly as over overextended. It doesn't overstay its welcome nearly it, as long. And, and obviously, you can at skip the... the ones you don't like. That's that's the cool part. Is that like sure, if you're yeah. like yeah. Gambit and ex- externals. I don't care about that. Which is uh, I do call a co- out a common general. refrain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can be like, oh, I'll just uh, I'll just skip that one, and you know I won't really miss much of anything, right? And like just just like most events. Uh, you know, if you skip one of the side, the, the spinoffs or anything, like you probably, it will be a footnote later. So yeah, like, but it's not, I mean, I think the thing about it though, too, is like the series are, they are connected. Um, yes, you could skip it, but it's also like there is value if you are the type of reader who does like reading all of it. Everything is of a piece with this world and they all kind of have a place and a role because they're all just sort of doing the work of building out, well, what is the Age of Apocalypse? What does Apocalypse's America look like? And eventually, they're all kind of building towards the same ending. But they can go about it in their own ways entirely. Um, and that's one thing you read in the behind the scenes where it's like, the creative teams were basically given, here's the world, maybe here's some designs, some character designs that like Joe Mad put together. Uh, and then here's X-Men Omega, kind of where we're going. But other than that, have at it. And I actually think that's a recipe for some really good, good storytelling that comes out of this. Uh, the other piece that I just, I have to hit here is like strategically... I think Age of Apocalypse is brilliant. You know, you have editors Bob Harris and Ben Robb, I think, uh, talk a lot in these interviews about fan outcry when they announced they were canceling the entire X-Line. Like, that's how Age of Apocalypse starts, is they start leaking in Wizard Magazine, which I don't know that we've really talked about, oddly enough. Um, huge player in 90s X-Men fandom on through the early 2000s, you know? But that's where a lot of publishers, like, this is where publishers would release news and rumors and things to sort of build fan engagement um i've got some old my, my comic shop has like old copies of wizard magazine that they'll just like give away sometimes it's a, it's a pretty fun like historical experiment at this point to go check those out but anyway they announced they're canceling the entire x line which obviously is is crazy or seem crazy to all the x-men readers because they're still the x-men you know this is still marvel's biggest thing aside from spider-man um and of course all the short-sighted <laughs> comic fans of the time are like Apparently, you could literally phone editors of the Marvel office and like yell at them about how mad you are. Like it, that, like how bonkers that is. But it's all, then I was thinking about it, and it's like, well, how different is that than like adding them on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, you know? <laughs> like, but but I guess like you could actually call them and yell at them. Apparently, that was happening a ton. Um, but it's brilliant. It's brilliant because you get everybody mad who's gonna get mad and short sighted. But then you launch a thing where you are centering all of the creative focus, totally committed on this world, you know? And I it's amazing to me, not necessarily surprising because of the financials involved, but it's amazing to me that Marvel hasn't done this very often. And to this point, I don't think they'd ever done it. 
where they say, we're canceling everything you know and love, and we're going to publish new books that basically sort of reimagine and refresh everything. To my knowledge, this has happened, I I counted like three times. Oh, three times. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had three real ones. Then there are a few of outliers that you could say maybe, maybe not. And I'm not even going to say what they are because we'll get to them later. They're later things. Um, But it's wild because every time it happens, I love it. I really, really love it because it shows such commitment from the publisher to like to really doing this thing and doing Mm -hmm. it in earnest. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's coming back. You know, everything's coming back. Like that is the history of this medium. Everything always comes back. Okay. Uncle Ben withstanding. (laughs) Right. It's just (laughs) Uncle Ben for now. Uh (laughs) Um, But okay. So like, yeah, that's that's my soapbox on this. Like it's just in their 30 plus year history, they had never pulled a stone like this before. And they rarely will again. And I think it makes those moments when it does happen really flipping cool. Um, I just kind of can't go over how rarely it happens. But yeah, like that's kind of the background for why Age of Apocalypse. And it's amazing too because so this event hits. And it, like I said, it's fairly confined. It's four months. And obviously if you're reading this at the time, you probably like there would have been a lot of mystery and a lot of like, well, wait, what? Like what's happening? And how long is this going to happen? Like you wouldn't have known. Right. And plus, like, this is like Clone Saga era. So it's like, is it going to go for three years? You know, and that would have been potentially infuriating. Um, But the fact that it's four months and out, it's incredibly tight. When you think about the others, like, again, think about Clone Saga. Think about what we're going into in 1996, the Onslaught Saga. Like, everything else in this era is defined by excesses, by sprawling mess. Age of Apocalypse is not that. Um, It's the opposite. And it's, it's so good for it. Yeah, and I was gonna say it's it's also like surprisingly contained to the X line because I don't think there was any other tie-in in other books, and like right. even in the comics, you don't even get like Apocalypse having a room with spoils of war for from Dead Avengers stuff like that. It's completely contained to the X Men, and there's no sign of any other heroes, any other parts of the world, which is no. Interesting. There are in the um, I think it's in X Men Chronicles. Maybe there is like oh, a, okay. Some some Age of Apocalypse ephemera, like okay. side stuff. It's not it's not tie-ins. You're right about that. But there are like oh, BT Dubs like Gwen Stacy's around leading some uh, revolutions or like oh weird okay. they yeah show, like, I, mass I, graves I was... of like here's Spider Man and Captain America and those sorts okay. of okay. things. Okay, yeah, because they they never mentioned the other heroes really. Yeah. So in the in like... the X line titles, they don't happen, and I can't remember which book it actually is because i didn't reread that for this but i read it the first time through so there is sort of a very broad it's it's basically the equivalent of like a maestro's throne room style yeah. thing where right. it's like yeah, just oh by the way, way all these other heroes you're like yeah we didn't forget about them but sorry not good you know yeah but it's like it's still kind of surprising to me that they had the restraints of not having like tying avengers for four issues and having the avengers uh, be a part of that world or have it be divided with uh, other heroes helping the the X-Men uh, fight against the Apocalypse. Like, it's right. entirely contained, contained two mutant characters. And that's surprising to me, but I think it works very well that it's yeah. contained to only the, the mutant themes, I guess. Well, even the human high council, right? The, the sort of yeah. human resist. So the part of the plot here is so Apocalypse, in the absence of Professor X, Apocalypse conquers America. Magneto forms the X-Men, and they're kind of the resistance to try to to try to keep Apocalypse from you know these literal cullings genocide of humanity and the the remnants of humanity they all flee to Europe 
basically. It's like you have to get out of America. You have to go to Europe. But even the Human High Council that we see in these issues, you know, it's it's X-Men-based characters. It's Moira, McTaggart, yeah. Bolivar Trask. Um, Gyrick, Some others. Uh, Gyrick, we see Pierre Corbeau at one point, yeah. right? So it's, it's all these players who have been uh, a part of X-Men stories primarily. Um, yeah, it's not Steve Rogers, right? Uh, they don't they don't do that and i do think it's better for it uh it's yeah it keeps everything tight again the x-men can operate as their own universe within the marvel universe and i don't know that anything has ever proved that more <laughs> than age of apocalypse <laughs> you know i like i don't i don't think it's missing anything for for lack of peter parker references or stuff like that um but there is there is something that does at least allude to that but it's but it's a small just no i i, I, I I, I had that same thought, but it wasn't a negative. I, I think it staying like nice and tight and focused is like, you know, one of the the real draws to this event. So I, I yeah. don't think it need to become more all encompassing or more sprawling. Because uh, with, with one exception, which is that we do see um, North Star and his sister, uh, but no other Alpha Flight, and not having the full Alpha Flight here did because uh, they're, they're really the detract. mutants. They're the mutants from that team, so it makes sense that they would be the ones. Uh... Yeah. Um, well, the one thing. So. The Even one so thing that like... you didn't read, Zach, was hmm. um, the issue where Puck, Sasquatch, um, Shaman, John Byrne, they're all just annihilated <laughs> by Holocaust. <laughs> so, John Byrne self-inserted himself in yeah, the comic. Yeah. Uh, drew himself yeah. into the comic just to get annihilated by Holocaust, <laughs> a.k.a. Apocalypse's son, a.k.a. not a name I would use again. Something you said earlier, Charlotte, that's interesting is that like the um, the death of xavier like it doesn't really feel like that because then it's just like the apocalypse show and it's not really like apocalypse and charles had this intimate relationship back and forth or something no yeah and, i'm not even sure if they've ever met probably yeah, at some point but i can't think of it i don't know actually you're you, you may be right yeah i don't know um I think if it was really trying to like ape a you know the, the death of professor x story and like really yeah. hit that like on a on a story level, not just editorially, it would have had more to do with like Magneto. Like Magneto carries Xavier's torch, right? Um, in this, instead of becoming the villain, you know, instead of having a story where Magneto is then like unmoored without the influence yeah. of Xavier, right? So he like he carries on his legacy rather than it becoming like, yeah, it, you know, Mag- Magneto without Professor X's friendship and. Uh, so can you I know, can the, I piggy, piggyback off that to say to talk about yeah. one scene that I love? There's a scene Please. where Magneto has a conference call with Mystique, and he's <laughs> giving her her mission to go find Destiny in the Savage Land because they used to be close, <laughs> as it were. And the second the phone conversation ends, they hang up, and Magneto's screens all revert to his various screensavers. He's in a room with about fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, video, it's so video good. monitors. I know what you're talking Every about. Every screensaver <laughs> is a different image of Professor X. <laughs> Which it is so sweet, and they're all different little facial expressions. Yeah. The idea that he would just sit ar- alone in a room with 20 different pictures of Charlie is incredible. I love it. Yeah, and like between that and so in Legion Quest, we go back to like the time when Xavier and Magneto met for the first time. And my God, between that and Magneto always talking about child, how has there never been a like four-issue miniseries alt universe about Charles and Eric as a couple or like in a romantic relationship? It's bonkers to me that that's never even been an alternate universe thing. Because it's 
honestly, it's reaching almost um, dumb and um, and juggernaut uh, levels yeah, for I me. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. They cradle each other a lot yeah. in those early days. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is Zach. Just inserting uh, this in later. Just got a quick advertisement from our friend Sean Dillon, who's a, a regular writer for Comic Book Herald. Uh, he's advertising his new book, so give it a listen. Check it out. Coming soon from Arkville Press. This is the story of the last city. It has outlived the world that it was born into, and it has outlived all its siblings. This is the story of the last city. A ruin built on ruins, where death is a luxury few can afford. This is the story of the last city. Of those who wander within, and those who are crushed by its weight. This is the story of the last city. And this is how it died. The Tower Through the Trees by Sean Dillon. Coming March 29th. Now, back to the show. Mm-hmm. The uh, Something I was thinking reading this, and this is because I've been... I've mentioned it a few times. I'm reading all these old Captain Americas. And I'm into the Steve Englehart era, which is excellent. Like, that's where I'd say people should jump in. There's some, like, pretty essential stories in there. And something cool that Steve Englehart does that I, I feel like I haven't seen since. I, I could be wrong. But I'm surprised X-Men doesn't dip into this more. Is that when they're, like, recontextualizing old stories. Because one of the big Captain America stories is recontextualizing 50s Captain America. Yeah. Um is then just taking the old comics and like putting a page of it in there and then mm. like showing like continuing it on. So there's there's this page that I actually like looked up from the 1950s Captain America when they were like, oh yeah, Bucky's alive and Captain America did not vanish into the ice just to like clear that up. And they're, they're adding to that story. Englehart's adding to it. But he puts in a full page from a 1950s issue and then just kind of continues as if it is that issue still with his twist and like that that kind of like reaching back thing i'm surprised that we don't see that more with x-men because they yeah such a huge history and how fun would that be i do um, love i love that technique it's something al ewing's yeah. played with a little bit i think it's um oh shoot it's like the first defenders thing he did that little main... yeah i think it's the best defense thank you that's the, little the, Hulk, the best defense yeah yeah, it's, it's done pretty coolly there. Um, you know, there are there is actually a small moment when... So, uh, part of the Age of Apophagus narrative here is Bishop, he's a part of Legion Quest. He's a part of the team, the X-Men team, that goes back in time to try to stop Legion. It doesn't work, but because he's all timey-wimey, he makes it to this alt-reality, but he has some memory of what the world was. And he becomes kind of the, the individual who makes everyone else, including Magneto and his X-Men, aware of like, hey, Earth was 616 offers more hope. This is what the world could be. And there's a moment when he's making Magneto remember um, where they do actually do a bunch of different panels from <laughs> Professor X and Magneto scenes from Earth 616. I don't think, I it, in my head, they're probably redrawing it um, as opposed to using the panels from those comics, but they're definitely referential to the way those, those images would have displayed the first time around. But I'm totally on board that that's a cool idea <laughs> and it always i always like it. it it's such a fun way to it's a visual distinction to show the passage mm-hmm. of time but yeah. it's also so fun to sort of respect and and celebrate fans who love the history of this medium and the continuity of it all you know and, and it is fun when like they seem like I, what i really like about that is just seamlessly switching from the old to the new and like just adding in panels but sticking to the old style that's a really fun touch. yeah now i'm just turning yeah. into like the 
talking about <laughs> what I would like to see in these comics. And it, it's yeah. not like it's lacking those. I just, uh, I was having that thought reading this, that that would be neat. All those old, like, um, stories of Charles and Magneto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyway. So um, one piece I want to talk about, yeah. if we're talking about, we're going to talk about you know, one piece style now. Now, <laughs> looks we're talking. Of it. now Now's talking, the time baby. for my Mangalus here. Yeah. We'll wait for the variants. <laughs> you had your fun with Age of Apocalypse, Dave. Now it's time for One Piece. Hey, I've been going hard on on manga lately. Okay, including yeah. including. Uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it on manga. Yeah, my, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. Please, I don't please wanna, go I don't on. Spoil it. Um, okay, I want to talk a little bit about the the character redesigns and the reimagining of the X Men universe without yeah. Professor X because I think it works really wonderfully. Um, yes, it feels like 1995, but for me, it's like in all the coolest, most fun ways. Um, and, and, and we've talked, I mean, I don't think any of us are like huge proponents of this era, right? Like there's stuff we respect and there's stuff we enjoy. You know, there are moments of Jim Lee stuff and even Liefeld in the early, the early going. And obviously a lot of Todd McFarlane that like, I think both of us, Zach and you and I and Charlotte, I'm sure you have your moments too, where we're like, yeah, that's really cool. But none of us are like, this is when comics ruled, <laughs> you know, like, right. I don't think we necessarily like, there's a balance, right? Yeah, there's, there's some good the, stuff. The Joe Matarera designs for these characters, like, it's just such of a piece with the 95 zeitgeist for me to understand, like, this event just oozes cool. Like, it just oozes cool in the way that cool would have been perceived by kids reading X-Men in 1995, like, on every page. Like, most of the designs, too, like, they're very simple changes or updates. That, that's the cool part is that, like... The, the, everyone gets a new costume, but you don't mm-hmm. even have to look twice to like figure out who's who. No, with the exception of like yeah. Kitty Pride, who Sunfire, for a while was like Kate, maybe yeah, like the small, yeah. small. But for the most part, you're like, oh, it's Storm. She just got a new costume on. Oh, there's you know, whatever uh, Banshee. There's Cyclops. Like, and they look different, right? Like they they look significantly different. But it is a, it's a very nice visual touch that it's like. Maybe, it's easy to immediately recognize I think them. Which, Bishop, without his beard, doesn't look like Bishop, which is weird because he literally has a huge M on his eye. But like, I kept forgetting <laughs> that was Bishop. <laughs> Just because he also, has his hair cut off, yeah. Um, I have to say it doesn't help that, on s- not always, but there's some coloring inconsistency, and it doesn't help that Bishop has never looked whiter, and that's the case there for some There are panels where he black- looks... Straight white, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that's that with... That's uh, the case for a lot of black characters in this. Yeah, and that's and that's a criticism that comes up a lot in yeah. contemporary X-Men comics because it's still a still an issue that Marvel cannot seem to, to stay consistent with that. I, I actually noticed it here with um with Bobby Sunspot where I was like, he is full-on white here, oh, uh, yeah. which is a problem that has, has also happened in recent X-Men comics. Um, talking about the designs though you know like with those simple changes i think what's cool too is like a lot of times they're very recognizable but they also reflect a notably darker landscape which is what age of apocalypse is right like i think it would be easy to facetiously refer to this as sort of a grim and gritty grim dark you know sort of post watchman post dark night returns dystopia um thing but like wolverine even with his advanced healing factor is somehow missing a hand and that's kind of just a cool mystery. And it's it's small and it's not super essential to the narrative. You know, Cyclops is actually missing an eye. Three guesses whose three claw marks that came from, right? But it's still, it's you know, Sunfire's burned off his own skin. Nightcrawler always has swords. Oh, sun, Kate Pride's wearing Wolverine rules. knife claws into battle. Yeah. Like, there's all yeah, these yeah, things yeah. where it's like, yeah, this is a darker world. 
everyone yeah, and, here and, is tougher. And it's a lot of elements that help flesh out the world because most of it, uh, a lot of it is never explained. Like I don't think it's ever explained why Kitty has uh, like clothes on each end. Does she just have like gauntlets? Is it, was she part of the Weapon X program? We don't know. It's just it's just cool and it helps flesh out that a lot of stuff has happened before in this universe. A lot right. of stuff is different and we don't need to know anything. We just need to know that it's it's a very full and fleshed out world. You know what? I think that's actually maybe the thing I like the most about it is yeah. we're just in it. We don't spend yeah. time explaining Apocalypse's rise to power. We don't spend time showing Magneto putting the X-Men together. We're just in the age of Apocalypse. Like, we're just here. And this is the world, and this is who these characters have become. And if you've spent any time reading X-Men comics, everything here is familiar enough that you have yeah. enough background to enjoy that and to Which roll is, with it. I think that that's the, like, magic trick it pulls off, is that, that it is not, like... Like, it's trying to introduce a new world and do all this world building. You know, it's still based in X-Men comics, but, like, we had this with Rob Liefeld, where he was just like, here's a whole new roster of characters, and they use new slang and all this stuff. And you're like, uh, I, don't, I don't really know what's going on. I don't really, like, I don't feel grounded in this, and the slang doesn't really work, and it feels too, like, yeah. this all feels very natural. You didn't feel it grounded. To... I, I said, I don't feel safe anymore. <laughs> I don't feel safe around <laughs> these kids. They seem too I, Like, it, you feel, I, like surprisingly for how much it shifts and how much it doesn't like necessarily set the rules too firmly like they're just kind of in a big city that's just like jutting weird sci-fi buildings like like you don't get a full idea but it grounds you in enough that um you you understand like the core conflicts and that there's enough to cling on to that um yeah that that is the part that worked best for me it's just x-men alpha it's 40 issues or 40 pages long mm -hmm. completely sets up the world i think that issue is kind of um kind of a little masterpiece yeah. yeah yeah it really is and it's like it would be so easy to teeter over the edge into mm -hmm. you know i referenced like ruins the marvel elsewhere's book that i hated um but it would be so easy to teeter over into the the sort of just like grotesque cynicism of of just everything's destroyed and awful and the worst all the time. And it's like that no one here is ever self-serious enough where that's a problem. <laughs> you know? Like yeah. everyone like that's the thing is like it's grim, yes, and it's a dystopia, but everyone still realizes they're telling mid nineties X-Men comics. You know? Um, and like there there are grotesqueries at play, like Dark Beast's experimentation on various mutants, you know? Um, but it, it rarely, if ever, feels like creators that are like getting off on torture porn or 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 sort of, you know, uh, defacing these characters even, yeah. you know, and even like even the relationships at play, like they kind of amplify or reconsider stuff that's already established with X-Men history. Right. Like Jean Grey and Wolverine, a dalliance that's been teased for decades at this point. Uh, Magneto and Rogue have that Earth-616 Savage Land romance. So that gets yeah, flushed that out. That I could have done together. without. <laughs> What's that? Th uh, that's, uh, that relationship I could probably have done without. <laughs> You're not pro-Baby Charles, the little son uh, of, uh, of Magneto and Rogue? Yeah, what, what's the age difference uh, between R Rogue, Rogue and Magneto? Rogue is like fully an adult. <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> she was like... She was Stop. like... She was like maybe sixteen when Magneto was seventeen. The in the we 80s. never saw Rogue. No, we never saw Rogue as a teenager. When she you're... when she joined the when she first joined the X Men, she was like, I don't know that she was eighteen. 
I don't think that. I don't think that's true. Interesting, interesting argument about whether was Rogue <laughs> of age when she joined the X Men. That I don't know. I will. I mean, she is definitely a consenting adult. By the time they get together, uh, there's a big age gap for sure. There's a big age gap. So if that if that is enough to to talk you out of sweet little baby Charlie, then uh, then that's that's on you. <laughs> yeah, that is on you, Charlotte. And you're, <laughs> I guess you're, off, me. you're off the pod, is what we agree. <laughs> No, no, no. We don't we don't God. kick people off the pod anymore, Zach. I've been trying okay. to do that to you for literally two and a half years. And Listen, I like worked, so DILF as much as the next person, but that's this is a bit too much. DILF's abound. See, DILF's abound. You got Mag, you like you got DILF, Banshee. but only for MILFs, right? You have I to mean, be... Apocalypse is a huge DILF. He's like thousands of years old. Is Apocalypse hot? Yeah or no? No. Oh, he, he is for some people. Trust okay, me. Okay, what about Mr. Sinister, though? Oh, oh yeah. he definitely oh, is some yeah. people. <laughs> resounding <Hell yeah>. yeses. <laughs> and some people are on the call right now. <laughs> yep, yep. Resounding yeah, yeses across the board. Yeah. You know, speaking yeah. of Mr. Sinister, that's actually another thing I want to talk about here. Um, Apocalypse and his horsemen are so freaking cool <laughs> in the age of Apocalypse. And there's just like a cool factor that only not... And this is a thing that I've actually... Like, I know it sounds... It sounds simple-minded and it sounds reductive, I think, to be like, well, it's cool. Um, but it's actually something I've been thinking about a lot with superhero comics because it's like it actually really matters. Um, it actually matters a lot, like that these things just are having fun and feeling cool. Like that's on that simplistic level, that's important to these books. And like, I I really think like if you're looking at the '90s, like only '91 Claremont and Jim Lee X Men even comes close to capturing sort of the same level of confidence. And as successfully, and like as someone who enjoyed X2 Legends on Xbox a lot <laughs> before I started <laughs> reading comics, I just assumed Apocalypse's horsemen were always as cool as like these named characters, Abyss, Mikhail Rasputin, Holocaust, Mr. Sinister. Imagine my surprise to find out they were more like starving young women in Caliban. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that's who the Simonson's horsemen are. Yep. And obviously, the, you know, Angel is Death is the exception here. <laughs> But the Simonsons horsemen suck. Yeah. They aren't interesting. Um, and the concept here oh, God. gives thank legs you, Thank and you flies. for indicating what I've been saying about that run for so long. <laughs> that is not confirmation of a total diss of the entire run. It's one aspect oh, that uh, video games in Age of Apocalypse get but much better. I do have to say, like this sells Apocalypse as the Thanos of the X-Men Yes. In a way that no comics before has done. Yeah, like, this, this Apocalypse is, him, is him now finally the, like the devil of the X Men. Sure. Yeah. What other what other character gets their moment in an alternate reality to the point where it's their defining story? You know? Yeah. Because like true. you're you're full on right. Like Apocalypse's survival of the fittest goals are taken to extremes they could never reach in Earth six one six. And this is the story. That tells you, oh yeah, all that potential that you felt in the Walt Simonson design of Apocalypse, here it is fleshed out, right? Here's the version yeah. of this villain as on par with a Thanos, on par with a Doctor Doom, in a way that like uh, the character never reached before and wouldn't reach again since for decades. Um, yeah. it, it's just his best story by far, I think. Um, you know, and I actually think that's the thing that, that one of the reasons Age of Apocalypse is so cool is like, it's a very villain-centric event, you know? I think this is the best version of Mr. Sinister for years and years. Mm, oh, I like, I like... No, I, I like Mr. Sinister better during the... Um... You like Inferno Sinister? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Tony I mean, Madeline. I, Mr. Sinister yeah. has good moments before this point, but I really yeah, like yeah. here how but he this, is. This is if you're going to do him up. in connection with Apocalypse, maybe, I like him being a second in command, but constantly scheming and and pushing all these strategic games and power plays um, and never actually playing second fiddle. Like, I like that that dynamic, I suppose. Um, and, you know, and it's a it's super Magneto-centric story, right? Like, like, the 90s are definitely, the first part of the 90s, is a decade that really is regressive for Magneto. You know, it just reverts to, okay, he's a villain, and he's a villain to the point that he's going to tear Wolverine's Adamantium off and, and have his, you know, psyche destroyed by Professor X. Um, Age of Apocalypse is, like, the only Magneto 90s story until the late 90s where yeah. we actually get to see him doing the cool Claremont Reformation anti-hero stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it's yeah. good I also. That. I also really like that in the middle of the 90s, it's an X-Men crossover event that's very light on Wolverine content. Like, he's not the main character. He's not even part of the main team. We see him, like... I don't know that we even see him in, like, half of the issues. He's not part of the main fight. Yeah, he's that's a side piece. kind of right. refreshing to me. He's just doing his own thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely is Apocalypse's side piece in this story. That's Total <laughs> side piece. Total side piece. Um, okay, what do we? what do you both make of new characters in the age of apocalypse aka x-man sugar man um (laughs) sugar man (laughs) blink (laughs) right yeah yeah blink blink technically is is created in the phalanx covenant um by lobdell and bacello but she's back here and actually is is given more of a role uh who else do we have we have morph we have morph Morph. technically didn't exist before this point that's a big one for us morph is pretty fun yeah morph morph stands out is like pure comedic relief that scene of him with a uh, pietro when he's pretending to be magneto uh and, that was good. and then he turns turns into the giant lips it's like almost like mean like mean of a prank like he gets quicksilver crying w- with a moment with his father and then he was just like and then he makes fun of him for getting so sappy and gives him a big smooch as yeah. it's it's a little uh but it yeah, being pietro i didn't feel bad I gotta say. Yeah, right, sure, maybe that's all. Yeah. <laughs> he feels more like slapstick or impossible man than he does the, the morph yeah. of the animated series. For sure. For sure. That's oh, that's comparison. why. Okay. I was like, Yeah, he's from he the animated familiar, series. But yes, yes, right. Yeah. Um <clears throat> yeah, Morph is kind of fun. Blink's there. I didn't get a huge sense of like Blink here. And Sugarman, I have no idea. I kinda just <laughs> didn't even really get who sugar man was and i so, in like Il- no, yeah, iliana yeah. mentioned sugar man and then all of a sudden like a weird little <laughs> yeah, goblin out jumps out of colossus's boot <laughs> right jumps out of colossus's boot and i was like oh that's that's sugar man i thought it was a nickname for colossus or something if you're purely following the sugar man arc it is straight up hilarious because you get none of the context in the pages of generation next where he's supposed to be this scary age of apocalypse player you know in these like prison pits you just get tiny little him hopping out of colossus's boot <laughs> at the end of things <laughs> and escaping to earth 616 so as as follow-up goes sugar man escapes to 616 dark beast escapes to 616 and X-Men and Holocaust, I think, escaped to 616. I think those are all of the Age Apocalypse, for now, castaways that Marvel's like, hey, we got to keep them. <laughs> we got to keep them in rotation. Um, which, with the exception of X-Men, who goes on to have, like, a crazy long series. This run goes for, like, 70, 80 issues. I looked it up. Like, yeah, X-Men is the, the series that continues out of here for a long time. It's truly one of the wilder things that have ever happened in marvel comics <laughs> especially at this time because i feel like 
You, you would get that in the 60s and 70s more, where you'd like, wow, this series ran for 100 issues, huh? Like, don't even mm-hmm. really hear about that anymore. But X-Man, uh, in, the ni- in the 90s, it feels like they were chopping in comics. You know, if they don't take off after a dozen issues, you know, it would get nixed. Uh, yeah. And now that would be like five and like, issues. Which which mutants have solo series in the nineties? Wolverine, Cable, and X Men. X Men. Right. Storm gets a handful of four issue miniseries. Yeah. But X Men goes for seventy. <laughs> like plus. Venom doesn't even have his own like just running series yet. Yeah. 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 The longevity still, of it. He's is, still in like well, miniseries territory, I think. Well, and Cable is the other one who gets a run, but the the wildness of X Men is he's just Cable, <laughs> but from an alternate reality. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Two third of the <laughs> solo mutants are Cable. <laughs> cable can't miss. Cable can't miss. Yeah. I mean, you know, shouts to the Rob, I guess. Um, so okay, so I I obviously love the Age of Apocalypse. I think it holds up shockingly well. I did not expect yeah. to revisit all this and be having as much fun as I did, frankly. No, um, you did. You knew you were going to. I knew I was going to stand up for it because of what it meant to me and because of how much I loved it the first time. I, You know what You know what surprised me the most? I did not expect to read X-Men Alpha again and be like, well, that's perfect. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> that's literally a perfect event kickoff issue. Yeah, I did not great. anticipate yeah. that. Yeah, th- between that and Omega, like the... the good work that that and x-men omega does carries a lot of the uh like the, the rest of it which is good like there's a lot of good stuff in the middle there but like it gives it such a strong if, if it core. didn't have such a strong setup and a strong yeah. send off uh I, I don't know if i would be like quite as positive on it but like yeah th- yeah it's, it's very good well and i think you know if you if i was like okay we're we're literally reading all of it and we're gonna do two episodes on it then i think you would start to hit some of the I'm a little tired of, uh, oh, sure, of Gambit sure. and the externals, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't need four issues of Factor X, right? Those sorts of things. I mean, things. Par- part of it is how we read it in the club, which is very quickly, you know? So, like, I might go back and read this and then just read it over the course of, like, two months. Yeah, doing it at your own good, pace. I, so I would do, same in with college, Claremont, you know? I would literally read one issue before I went to bed. Yeah, and yeah, it's good. And I was the coolest kid in my dorm and also the happiest. Both of them, both of those <laughs> because obvious. every so other true. kid was just reading everything in one evening. They were reading what? Because every other kid in your dome was reading the whole Age of, of Apocalypse in one <laughs> evening, and they felt miserable. <laughs> they they all read it too fast, and I was like, yeah. "You fools! I'm you turning the lights out." Yeah. Yes, that was the problem, definitely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, any uh, any other big AOA thoughts um, that we that we didn't touch on? Hmm. 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 Um. I mean, I'm very curious of seeing what happens to the characters coming from this, especially Dog Beast. I've heard a lot about about Dog Beast, but I mm-hmm. haven't ever seen him, I don't think. Wait, oh, what word are you saying? I'm hearing Dog Beast. Do- <laughs> dark Beast. Dark Beast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dog, you know what? Dog like, Beast kind of the would least surprising thing in the world. Fun, uh, what if? Yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty unsurprising that Beast just turned out to be a real like jerk. <laughs> like, yep, especially if you read recent Marvel. <laughs> oh, so let's let's talk about that actually, because I actually think one of the more difficult jobs that Age of Apocalypse has is deciding which mutants are going to suck, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So actually, let's talk about yeah. this. So like Zach, you brought up at the front of this, like okay, the idea of Apocalypse is the protagonist. So this is a roundabout way we can get to that because so Apocalypse's goal is very, very overtly ham-fistedly stated here as survival of the fittest and only the strong survive. And basically, like, if you're human, you don't have powers, right? So mutants are sort of inherently more of the 
inheritors of America in his vision. So you have certain known characters that are part of Apocalypse's fascist police state, right? You have Cyclops and Havoc as sinisters, you know, sort of errors as his security guards of these gross experimentation pens, you know? Um, Cyclops, they kind of try to redeem by having him ultimately, like, break free, you know, and he's kind of, like, playing good cop throughout this, if you will, um, and, and being like, oh, like, we shouldn't do anything uh, untoward, but then it's like, <laughs> like, you're literally overseeing Dark Beast experimenting on mutants. Like, what do you think is happening? Havoc just gets to full out be the worst, which is what Havoc does in every event it has occurred. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is, if Havoc's in an event, there's a guarantee that Alex Summers is going to be on the wrong side and and be terrible. And uh, unless it's, if it's Inferno, he's going to wear really fun little skimpy outfits. But <laughs> but he doesn't do that here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he just always sucks. Who else? Uh, Danny Moonstar is like an agent of Apocalypse. You have the Madri. So like Jamie Madrox is like this whole religious cult thing that they build out. Um, there's a handful. Uh, were Nightcrawler there any a that... evil who he's not Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler evil, is murderous and, and dark. Iceman's... Uh, oh, Iceman's really bitter, yeah. Very unlikable, I, I think. And again, like yeah. I think all that just sort of reflects, like, this is the world they've made. Um, were there any were there any characters or turns like that, that that worked or didn't work, you know, to degrees for you? I mean, I liked having... Even, like, if she's an antagonist, I liked having Danny Moonstar in an X-Men comic. It, it has been a while <laughs> yeah. since she's been around. Um, which I, I wonder when she comes back to, to play an important role. I mean, like, a regular role in, uh, in X-Men. She's going to be... Um, in X Factor after this point for sure. Ooh, um, interesting. But those are some those are some rarely talked about X Factories. Okay. Uh, to put it to put it mildly, um, <laughs> Zach, any any standouts for you? No, because it, I don't know that that's very it, it really takes a, a botched job for me to be like, well, you're ruining a character in a way I don't like. So they could have kind of done anything with anyone, and I would have been <laughs> fine with it to be no, honest. No, but not even necessarily like something you didn't like, but something. Something interesting that they did with a uh, with a character. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. No, I mean, I, we've talked about most of it. I like Wolverine and Jean Grey, right? You know, I like I like taking things that have been like hinted at before and then yeah. just like amplifying it or you know messing around with it. Yeah. Um, something kind of separate that I was thinking that works well here is that I, I feel like at this point in X Men, for the most part, Lobdell and Isieza have really moved away from like the mutant metaphor at this point in X Men history. Mm. To, to the point where I think this works <laughs> to have the, like, it, you never get the stench of, like, oh, well, if people want equal rights, what they really want is superiority, right? And they want, a, like, some kind of... Yeah. I, I, you could easily veer into... Marvel has done this. Marvel does this a lot, where it's just, like... In the, I'm seeing this in the 70s, 70s Captain America a lot, where it's just, like... Oh, like black people are arguing for like you know equal rights, but honestly, they just want you know black superiority, right? And like, what if they go too far in what they mm -hmm. want? Mm -hmm. This shows a world in which they go too far, but I don't think he's actually like reflecting upon any of that. I think it's just purely in its own little sci-fi world because Apocalypse is so you know outsized and it's so so. I, th I think it's to its credit that it's like playing with these big concepts, but without actually feeling like it's trying to say anything about that because it would be pretty <laughs> messy if it was i think that's a good um, point yeah. it is not intending to engage with the question at any turn and in its complete absence <laughs> of discussion like it's just so clearly not a piece of this and like you know like 
I won't spoil anything, but like the where X Men comics are basically since we started the Mime Raw this year, that is a piece of it. Oh and sure, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's something that is those comics are asking you to talk about and think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, Age of Apocalypse is absolutely not doing that, and I think you're right, which is good because I don't. It's think a good they thing. Want, <laughs> they don't not. want to, and I wouldn't trust them to have anything interesting or to pose any interesting questions. Right? No, no, um, in the way no. that I think yeah, X Men comics now or at least like posing some interesting questions and like stirring the debate, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's better, better suited for it. Um, I have, I have a question for Dave. Um, the Emkron crystal is really central, central to these stories. (laughs) Does it ever show up again in Marvel comics? (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. We didn't talk about it at all, but the, the MacGuffin that allows, Bishop, Magneto, and the X-Men to actually restore Earth-616 reality, which, you know, is how this is obviously going to end, um, is the Amkron Crystal, a Shi'ar artifact that we have seen in X-Men comics in the uh, in the Phoenix Saga. You know, yeah. everybody gets trapped inside the crystal. It's kind of a all-powerful reality thing. There's a little guy with white hair that lives inside it. <laughs> Forget his name. Um, <laughs> oh, he's but, real funky looking. Yeah, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's funky and strange. Uh, it I, okay. So I'm thinking of um, the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire is a story arc okay. with the Emkron crystal at, at least present. I don't know how super relevant it is. Um, I'm kind of struggling to think of anything where it's majorly. Yeah, because I, I, I felt like that. in Legion Quest and Age of Apocalypse, it was almost treated as like the cosmic cube or something, like something that would have an important place in the Marvel Universe as right. a very powerful artifact. And I definitely don't think it has that legacy. No, not as not as common as the Amcron Crystal. I mean, it's definitely or as the cosmic cube. It's I guess it's, you know, as the cosmic cube is to cap in the Avengers. The yeah. Amcron Crystal theoretically could be for the X-Men. Um, I, I mean, I think it's an artifact that like, probably kind of do for a comeback <laughs> you know like it's well, kind of are you thing, if you're so. hearing this um i you know what to do. imagine he's thought about it God, i can't wait to see yeah. that crystal again that's what i keep saying and i will not shut up until i see the crystal <laughs> we'll again s- we'll slow down johnny storm marvelous jokes baby that's that's one of your best that was really quick dave <laughs> i'm very impressed with that <laughs> Zach, always <laughs> astonished, astonished by a good pun. All right, thanks everybody for listening. Um, I think that's going to do it for us on Age of Apocalypse. Yeah. So we'll be back yeah. in 1996 here. Uh, I actually think we should, do you want to take a break between those two years to just do a my uh, Cormac McCarthy year and then just talk about <laughs> Meridian? So that was almost going to be my intro, was, was going to be you are literally incapable of reading anything I'm not reading. Um, whether it be comics I or novels, I started first. Apparently. Come on, you, I've been <laughs> posting about it in the Slack, and then you're like, "Oh, we're have you? Okay, yeah, yeah, for like a couple." Oh of weeks yeah, ago. okay, yeah. I I literally didn't know that until this moment, but clearly I snuck it, mm-hmm. snuck it in the mm-hmm. Slack upon you. Yeah, it turns out Zach and I have both been reading Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian. Um, yeah. I, at the same time, out of the blue, I, where are you at in this in this read? Like chapter five i think very early oh okay so you're i'm i'm almost done i'm oh okay nine yeah, tenths no, of the I'm way done it is the first cormac mccarthy book i've ever read oh um, really it, I'm it's my last not the like, for you big mccarthy yeah no i've read yeah. like four five uh before you know and, I, and also it's it's the fact that he's putting out two at the end of this year uh that I'm. oh like, is that so oh he hasn't written anything in like 15 18 years since the road i think was his last book oh that's big i was thinking about doing the road next i've seen no country for old men um oh yeah which actually 
because it's so good, does give a decent sense of what <laughs> of what I was in for with uh, Blood Meridian. Uh, my quick, my very fast Blood Meridian review mm-hmm. is incredible American poetry. Oh yeah, in prose, not a fun read. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't like I it as much as mom. Apocalypse, I will I, say. I was talking to my mom about what I was reading, and I was like, yeah, I'm reading um, Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. And she was like, why do you always read stuff that's so upsetting? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. She doesn't even know what it is, but just the words Blood Meridian made her upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is very um, it's very thought-provoking in certain regards. Uh, I will yeah. I will give him oh, credit for that. Great. He's, he's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it is also very, like... Uh, it, McCarthy has become, you know, it's like uh, David Foster Wallace. It's one of these things, if you're an adult, you feel like somewhat embarrassed because they've become so uh, taken over by 22-year-old guys being like, now this book is going to change your life. This is the most, this is, now this is writing. Um, But also, just like David Foster Wallace, it's still excellent and he's an incredible author. You know what? That's a funny, that's a funny reference point because... I am certain the same year I read Age of Apocalypse, I read Infinite Jest <laughs> and I love them equally. <laughs> oh, oh really? I would you, say, act, you actually read all of Infinite Jest? That's uh, that's very... Uh, and the footnotes, baby. Impressive. I would say my power rankings, Age of Apocalypse, Infinite Jest, tied, and then mm-hmm. second, Blood Meridian. <laughs> Those are the rankings. Right <laughs> all right. Yeah. I guess well, it's third, because yeah, we'll, when you have a tie, you skip it. We'll bring it up right? during the next variant cover. We'll, we'll update people. I think people are ready to move on from manga and on to... Um, like stark prose. Uh, like well, my McCarthy prose. year somebody recommended yeah. in the in, on Twitter. I think it was. Um, so mm-hmm. that's that's smart. But yeah, no, we'll t- we got we listen. We got all sorts of good stuff coming on this podcast. Please subscribe and uh, and check it out and come hang out with us because we'll keep talking about these things. But next up, you're gonna hear. Let's see. Yeah, you will hear a variant next. So we'll do some manga that we've been reading. Um, maybe we'll talk a little more Cormac McCarthy. And then when we start in 1996, we're gonna mm-hmm. read a bunch of uh, Avengers stuff including the Wade and Ron Garney arc, concluding on Captain America. We're going to read Avengers number 400. That comes up next. And then in part two, we're going to do some off-the-beaten-path, um, kind of interesting Spidey universe stuff, okay? And then from there, I haven't officially set the lineup, but eventually we're going to do some Onslaught Saga. I'm trying to figure out how to fast-track the Onslaught Saga for us. Um, trying to keep that to, to one episode. And then i got to also yeah, fast-track uh, Heroes Reborn. i got some big notorious critical duds to uh to try to fast track in 1996 i yeah. think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a four-part year oh good i, th- I think good. i might be able honestly, to do it in four. I, I am i am itching to get to 1998 because 98 is really where i feel like marvel finds its footing again because you've got like the inhuman series black panther yeah, starts nice. up then. Yep. yeah um we might be able to do 1997 in one <laughs> it, is, it is without like, question their worst year let's just let's just do one episode with onslaught heroes uh, re- heroes um what's reborn it? reborn and mm-hmm. uh, all of 1997 just one episode <laughs> you have you have 32 issues as is so like without you cutting anything in 1997, there's only 32 issues listed, and it's like Kazar's yeah. three of those. That's less than <laughs> the whole Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, like 32 issues, are like one big episode of My Ultimate Year. <laughs> I'm yeah. very tempted now. I'm very tempted to do a powerhouse. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, well. we'll we'll keep continuing that. And honestly, looking at the list that I had set, 
previously for 97, I'm like, I don't know that everything on there is going to deserves to be on the list anymore. <laughs> actually you, you literally have a uh, bug issue number one and your note says, listen, I'm scrambling for issues here. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, bug? Like from the Micronauts? Bug. Uh, is he in Micronauts? Bug. I think of from the Guardians. Is I don't know. Bug I think he like. I think he's from the seventies or eighties Micronauts. I, I believe you because I've never read Micronauts <laughs> before. So I will. I will take yep. your word for it. He he kind of looks like an, a Mike Elred character. I don't know if Elred ever drew him, but uh, but he should have. Yeah, he, he should have. All right, this was good. Uh, Age of Apocalypse, everybody, read it all and don't delay. And uh, you can find all my stuff at Comic Herald. You can find Zach on social at My Marvelous Year. You can find Charlotte at Fierro Charlotte. And music for the show is by Disasterpiece. Thanks so much for reading along with us and, and hanging out here in the club. Um, go to patreon.com slash My Marvelous Year if you want to support or uh, find out ways that you can get access to the full spreadsheet, uh, access to the exclusive Slack channel, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, over Thanks. on Patreon, Charlotte and I just did a, uh, a two-hour MCU tier list of the first two Ooh, phases. Yeah. And that episode is up on the $3 a month tier. So there you go. Hear that. There yep. you go. Cool bonus listening. All right. Thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next year. See you next. See you next year. Apocalypse.